please bow in prayer. Dear Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to gather as a community. And Lord, you call us all the time. Help us to hear your word to us this morning through your written word. Help us to be attentive and to follow through in obedience in our lives. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I clearly remember the way God called Pip and myself to ministry about 30 years ago. I had a great job, a lovely home, a lovely income, lovely friends, lovely church family. Everything was lovely. And God uprooted us, shifted cities, took a massive reduction in salary and began in ministry. But it was all because of God's call. To be honest, if we knew the end from the beginning, we may never have said yes to God's call. But such is God's grace that we began modestly and learned along the way. This morning we're looking at the calling of the very first disciples. Simon, who was nicknamed Peter, his brother Andrew, and two other brothers, James and John. Isn't it amazing that we know the names and the circumstances of the very first disciples of Jesus? I think that's pretty special. And so I invite you this morning, amidst the noise and potential distraction, to think about God's call on your life and how you are responding to that call. Pip and I travelled to Lake Galilee in 2016, and we visited a place called Ginosar, where we saw what has become known as the Jesus boat. And it's a wooden fishing boat, just over eight metres long, that was discovered during a particularly hot summer in 1986, when the lake level receded. And it was dated by radiocarbon dating to the same period that Jesus called the first disciples. Isn't that amazing? It could have been that boat that was owned by Simon and his brother Andrew. And the Jesus boat is a vivid reminder of the daily lives of Galilean fishermen in the Roman period. And what it cost them to heed the call to follow Jesus. In today's terms, we would say the brothers were small family business owners. Fish were plentiful, there were good markets, and this meant a steady income with some money to spare, probably. The work could be dangerous, but their lives had, were modestly secure, I would say. But one day, an itinerant preacher, Jesus, turned up. Now, the brothers had already met him. But Jesus walked along by the shore and he came right up to them while they were working and simply said, follow me and I will make you fish for people. There was something about the personality and authority of Jesus that meant they not only listened to his call, but immediately they left everything and followed him. So I pose this question. Why did you begin following Jesus? Who told you about Jesus? Who conveyed to you the truths of the Christian faith? I would suspect that at some point, you became captivated by Jesus. Uh, you see, there are lots of aspects to Christianity. But the most important thing is that people become captivated 
by Jesus. And perhaps the most important question is, what are you doing now to stay excited about Jesus? To grow, to know and love him more and to develop a passion to tell others this amazing good news. As a person, Jesus Christ is so attractive. Jesus' teaching was profound. His miracles were compelling. The way Jesus loved and accepted people. The way Jesus dealt with his opponents. The, the way Jesus constantly expressed the strong love of God uh, is captivating and enthralling. Jesus is unique. In a way, you don't need too many other details if you only have Jesus. And there was something about Jesus' personality and charisma that made the disciples immediately follow him. And something about his unprecedented sense of divine authority that made the disciples want to stay with him. Now, notice a few things about the calling of Peter and Andrew. James and John. In verse 19, um, Jesus simply says, follow me. But in the Greek, the preposition after also appears. So strictly speaking, Jesus is asking the, the disciples uh, to follow after me. Uh, in other words, follow behind me as I walk along. That's one meaning. But also follow after me as in take after me, imitate me, become like me. Put your learning into practice and be transformed by the act of following. Now, you may remember that very endearing final scene from the movie Big, uh, where the adult Josh Baskin walks across the street back to his family home. And as he does, you recall his clothes become baggy and he's transformed back into 12-year-old Josh Baskin. We'll try to reverse that. As he walked, he was transformed. And it's the same for the disciples, only the reverse, as I said. They grew in stature as they walked with Jesus. As they lived with him, walked and talked with him, over time, they became like Jesus. And as we walk with Jesus we also become like him. Calling leads to discipleship, and discipleship leads to transformation. One of the things we're trying to encourage this year is discipleship through mentoring. That's what Jesus did. A mentoring is an intentional relationship between a younger and older Christian meeting regularly for a set period, being deliberate about study and prayer, and talking about the ups and downs of being a Christian today. It is transformational. Now, although there are many here this morning who have been blessed through mentoring, we could do much more. I'd love to hear from you if you could become a mentor or would like to enter into a mentoring relationship. And you know, this is one of the most exciting things about being a Christian, uh, that the grace of God is not just a nice idea or a moral theory, but it brings about real change, real transformation, real growth. We ought to become more loving, more forgiving, more sensitive to others, more aware 
of the issues of justice in the world. Is this what is happening in your life? Are you being transformed? Are you growing to be more like Jesus? Here's another thought that's very relevant to our calling. Did you notice how closely associated the call of the disciples uh, to follow Jesus is with Jesus' call to ministry? Um, Jesus said, come and follow me and I will make you fish for people. Follow and fish. Call and ministry. Relationship and task. Being and doing. So you see, Jesus strikes a dynamic balance between these aspects. He doesn't give us the self-indulgent luxury of waiting around to become perfect before he asks us to do ministry. It doesn't work like that. The call to follow Jesus is intermingled with the call to do things in the name of Jesus. That is, to get involved in ministry immediately. So, don't wait until you feel adequate or equipped for the task. Those first disciples, we all know this, uh, were certainly not competent. In fact, one of the glories of the gospel is that they portray the disciples as they really were in very unflattering terms. They're portrayed as slow to pick up on things, uh, incompetent, making mistakes, asking, asking dumb questions. They were fickle and they even denied him. And that's all okay. Because Jesus Christ called these most unpromising disciples and commissioned them for ministry. No three-year study course. Come, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And they ended up doing great things for Jesus. Not immediately, but as time went on, they really and truly did. Now, let's look at what the ministry task of fishing for people means in more depth. Jesus wants the disciples to fish people out of something, right? The implication here is that there's a sea that people are in, are swimming around in a kind of sea that is not good for them. So what's the sea today? Well, it's actually the culture we live in. It's secular humanism that says there is no God, that happiness is the supreme good, and that we can achieve happiness by consuming stuff and obtaining the goods of this life. But this worldview does great violence to the human heart. Why? Because we are wired to know God and to love and serve God. God is the supreme good that we should be aspiring to. And we've all heard St. Augustine you have made us for yourself, and our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you. That was said hundreds of years ago, and nothing has changed. So fishing for people involves inviting them to see the world differently through a Christian lens. Because one of the great strengths of the Christian faith is that it has tremendous explanatory power. It satisfies both heart and mind. It makes sense of the world and the human condition. It helps us see things the way they really are. 
So our call to ministry is to fish people out of one worldview into another. Another word for that is actually conversion. To move from seeing the world through the lens of secular humanism to the Christian lens. From living life without reference to the living God in whose image we are made, to living life with God at the center and being in relationship with him. Now, how do we do that? We do what the scripture has taught us this morning. We heed the call of Jesus and begin following him. As we do that, we begin the lifelong process of being transformed and reshaped according to the image of Christ. We also get involved in ministry and begin contributing to the building of the kingdom. That also helps us grow. And finally, we get ourselves upskilled so that we can commend theism in general and Christianity in particular. And by the way, the Lent groups this year will be using an exciting new resource that gives us an overview of the whole Bible in eight weeks. Lent's going to be eight weeks this year, not six. Executive decision. That will be really helpful to equip you for this task. We all need a calling in life, don't we? Something we can do that gives us purpose. Something that contributes meaningfully to the community. And it may be within the church, or it may be outside the church, or a mixture of both. And it um, may be in construction, maybe in IT, design, medicine, engineering, HR, hospitality, education, manufacturing, industry, social work, academia, many, many other areas that we could invest our commitment and time and skills in. Whatever it is, ask yourself, how does this contribute to God's kingdom? And how can I do my work with enthusiasm and integrity so that people see that I follow Jesus Christ? Now, there are many here this morning who are in a transition in life. And you're asking these very questions. I urge you in prayer to ask God to help you follow Jesus, to be transformed into the image of Christ, and to find a way of ministering in his name. And all these callings belong together. The call to follow Jesus and the call to be involved in ministry, which has to do with helping people give up one worldview and adopt the Christian worldview. And if you have never come to Christ, there may be some in that category here this morning, I invite you to simply begin believing in Jesus and living according to his will. Don't think too much. Think a little bit. But just begin. It's like riding a bike or skating. You can attend all the tutorials in the world, but at a certain point, you've just got to launch out and do it just like the first disciples. Amen.